What do you want for Christmas this year? You know, I think that is a question worth asking. You know, Christmas, it's this uh, wonderful time of year. There's hope, a lot of traditions, nostalgia. And last week we talked about that Christmas can get really messy. A lot of demands, expectations. You got sending cards and assembling trees, stringing lights, hanging ornaments, making, checking your lists, buying presents, wrapping presents, tending parties, baking cookies, preparing food. Are you exhausted yet? I mean, going here and there, we're, we're going so fast, sometimes I think we don't really enjoy. We just kind of survive. I mean, what do you want for Christmas? I mean, sometimes I wonder if what we pursue at Christmas and what we say we want have anything in common. I mean, we say we want peace, and then we overschedule. We run at a very hectic pace. We say we want joy. Yeah, we do all these things that I think steal our joy. They drain our, our passion. And we say we want this, we say we want that. But I wonder, do we even know what we want? How many of you have finished your Christmas shopping? All right, wow. How many of you wish I hadn't asked that? (laughs) You know, when it comes to uh, Christmas shopping, it's kind of a complicated process, isn't it? If you're like most people, you uh, put together a list, you check it twice, why, well, find out who's naughty and nice, that kind of stuff. And you usually ask some very basic questions when you're putting that list together, like, who are you buying for? Who are you not buying for? You know, what what do they like? What do they want? And the most critical thing is, how much do I spend? You know, how much can I afford? And... It's kind of a humorous process. I mean, we don't talk about it out loud, but it's kind of like I'll catch Cindy and go, uh, they were in the $20 range last year, and I'm thinking things have kind of changed this year. I think we upgrade them to 25 And she goes, well, I was thinking we downgrade them to 15 And then it's like, well, I guess we're at 20 again. Huh? But um, you start with a lot of questions. And when you get the answer to the questions, then you finally are able to kind of hit the store. you got a guideline for, for shopping. Does that sound pretty familiar? I mean, that's kind of how it's done. Have you ever tried to uh, find that perfect gift for someone and it was the hottest item of the year? <laughs> you know, stores are sold out. Lines are long. You, you're hoping maybe that you can get that elusive gift for them. You know, this year they say good luck getting uh, Snow Glow Elsa from uh, the Frozen franchise and uh, some of the uh, Disney Infinity stuff. Disney's cleaning up this year, by the way. But uh, the new iPhone, you know, things like the size of a TV, you know, Fitbit bracelet. The, they say the Beats wireless headphones are the rage, especially if you can get the red ones. I remember when my girls were little, uh, Stacy, she was in junior high at the time, and I asked her what, what she wanted, and she said, I want tribe, Dad, and that was a, a perfume, and she said, it's perfect, it, it's wonderful. She said, 
all, all I want is tribe. I will never do anything wrong ever again if you'll get me tribe. You know, I'll clean up after dinner. You won't even have to ask me to, to clean up. I'll get straight A's. I'll never ask for anything again. And as a parent, I'm thinking, this is a dream come true. Tribe's what she wanted. And so we went on the hunt. Everywhere we went, empty shelves, sold out, back orders. They, they would tell us about expected delivery dates. You know. I'm like, when do you think you're going to get more in? Next Tuesday. 901, store opens, they're sold out. Someone would be like, hey, I hear they're going to have it over at Target at 10 o'clock. And so we'd race across town. Felt like I was in the chase for the next Hell Cup, you know. And after a few pit stops and fancy maneuvers, we finally landed that tribe trophy. Now, I learned some things. Now, parents, listen up on this one. Get promises from your kids in writing, all right? <laughs> I still had to ask Stacy to clean up after dinner. She did not get straight A's. And the fact is, I learned that tribe was not a perfect gift. This is no joke. That perfume was the most awful thing. When she would spray it, she'd be in another part of the house. I would instantly get a headache. I'm not kidding you. I, I would get nauseous. And, and it just had that kind of reaction to me, I know you think I'm kidding, but it really was. I finally had to go to her and beg her. I said, I will get you any perfume you want, but you got to get rid of this stuff. It's, it's, it's awful. And it cost me about twice as much money. And I was not surprised when, when Tribe went from hot to not, almost overnight. I mean, the stuff was awful. You know, sometimes you're, you're looking for that perfect gift. And it can be exhausting, disappointing. Sometimes, though, you get it right. And I think you know it when you get it right. And it's that amazing moment when you feel like you've gotten someone that perfect, perfect gift. What do you want for Christmas this year? We're in this series, Netflixmas, and uh, today we're looking at a movie, hit the big screen, 1983. It became a holiday classic, a Christmas story. How many of you have seen the movie? All right, how many of you, it's your, one of your favorites? All right. All right, now, I'm, let me go on record. PG-13, I'm not saying it's the most perfect movie, but it's, it's, it's a good movie, all right? So just know that up front. It's about a nine-year-old boy named Ralphie Parker who knows what he wants for Christmas. He wants a BB gun. And not just any BB gun. No, he wants the Red Rider. Red Rider, carbine, action, 200-shot, range model, air rifle. And he says it many times in the show. I mean... He is mesmerized with the thought of, of getting that. He's full of hope, full of expectation. And I think the reason why the movie is done so well is it allows, as a viewer, 
to kind of see Christmas through the eyes of a child again. There's something very uh, uh, simple about the movie, innocent, it's uncluttered. And I think it touches that, that child in all of us, kind of strikes that chord. I mean, Ralphie, he is sure this is the perfect gift. And, and he's focused on it and he's hoping. And remember, he asks his mom, she, she, she says, what do you want for Christmas? And he says, he wants a BB gun. And he's confronted with the classic line, what is it? And she'll get your eye out. <laughs> Ralphie is not deterred, though. And he keeps, keeps asking for this, and he's trying to work his way to make sure that he's going to get this gift. And he gets the same response from everybody. You're going to shoot your eye out. In fact, Santa's in on the conspiracy, and here, watch this. What do you want for Christmas, Billy? A toy truck and a Oh, I hate the smell of tapioca. Nine o'clock. Great Scott, the store is going to close. Santa can't wait all night. Let's go. Will, my voice squeaked out. Football. Okay, get him out of here. A football? Oh, no. What was I doing? Wake up, stupid. Wake up. No.
what do you want for Christmas? Do you know? Can you name it? What would be the perfect Christmas gift this year? Friends, Christmas is all about the perfect gift. I mean, a gift that people had been looking forward to for centuries. It was the promise of a savior. A gift that generations had dreamed about and longed for. A gift that would change everything. A gift full of hope, eternal, holy. A gift that we have celebrated annually, daily, for more than 2,000 years. It's a gift about love, about peace, about joy. It's a gift from God. It's a gift unto us is born. I wonder what people wanted that first Christmas. I wonder what they were looking for that first Christmas. I wonder how many of them missed the perfect gift that first Christmas because they were busy, because it wasn't the the gift that they were expecting. Maybe because they just didn't know what they wanted. I mean, it was a gift, a perfect gift, and a lot of people missed it. A lot of people missed it. You know, Luke writes this, he says, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there's no room for them in the inn. And you read the gospel account of Jesus' birth, and we have some details. But most of the story really requires a lot of uh, speculation on our part, like, like the inn and the innkeeper. We, we, all we really know from scripture is there was no room in the inn for them. We don't know the name of the inn. We don't know the name of the innkeeper. We don't know if the innkeeper was on duty. We, we don't know if he made provisions in the stable for Mary and Joseph. We, we don't know if he was just consumed with work at, at the time. What we know from history is this was a time when probably hotel business was booming. My guess they're making some serious money, peak rates. We know that Caesar had called for a census, which required everyone to return to their town of birth, which meant people were traveling at this time of the year. Bethlehem, not a popular tourist destination spot. It's kind of off the beaten track little out-of-the-way hill country in Judea. Tiny little town of Bethlehem. It was about to be infiltrated by thousands of people. And my guess is they didn't have the infrastructure in the town to really handle things that Christmas. So, so we know Mary and Joseph were in town. We know there's no room in the inn, probably because everything's been rented out. Maybe the innkeeper turned on the lights, put up the sign, no vacancy. Maybe he just refused to answer the door. Maybe, maybe he was in in Jerusalem fighting all the crowds, buying Hanukkah gifts. Maybe he was apologetic. Maybe he was uncaring. Maybe he refused to make room for them. 
I wonder, upon seeing Mary and Joseph, if maybe he assessed the situation. He saw she's pregnant. No wedding ring. Maybe he just refused to rent him the room. We don't know. We don't know. All we know, there was no room in the inn, and it was the greatest gift in history that was laying in a manger in that stable, and I wonder if there was a time when the innkeeper looked back and realized what he missed. What do you want this Christmas? What are you expecting this Christmas? I mean, not only do we get busy and end up missing Christmas, but my observation is that our expectations make us miss Christmas many times. All the unspoken expectations, finding that that perfect gift for the perfect price, having a perfect meal with a perfect family. Good luck with that, by the way. Christmas is anything but perfect. But that's why Jesus Christ came. The fact is, Christmas is about a perfect God reaching out to an imperfect world full of imperfect people in a perfect way with a perfect gift. What do you want for Christmas? What are you expecting this Christmas? What are you looking for? hoping for, praying for, and preparing for. Are you looking for the perfect gift? Are you looking for Jesus this Christmas? Are you looking for God? And if you are, where are you looking? Where are you looking? Remember the uh, decoder ring in the movie? You know, I mean, Ralphie, he had uh, mailed in an application. He's going to join, join the club. Little orphan Annie. He's going to be a part of the secret circle. And he is jazzed about this. And after a long, long wait, finally he, he receives the Dakota ring. And here, watch this. Be it known to all and sundry that Ralph Parker is hereby appointed a member of the Little Orphan Annie secret circle and is entitled to all the honors and benefits occurring there, too. Signed. Little Orphan Annie, countersigned Pierre Andre in ink. Honors and benefits already at the age of nine. (laughs) Come on, let's get on with it. I don't need all that jazz about smugglers and pirates. Listen tomorrow night for the concluding adventure of the Black Pirate Ship. Now it's time for Annie's secret message for you members of the Secret Circle. Remember, kids, only members of Annie's Secret Circle can decode Annie's secret message. Remember, Annie is depending on you. Set your pins to B2. Here is the message. 12, 11. I am in my first secret meeting. 14, 11, 18, 16. Oh, Pierre was in great voice tonight. I could tell that tonight's message was really important. 3, 25. That's a message from Annie herself. Remember, don't tell anyone. Ninety seconds later, I'm in the only room in the.
the house where a boy of nine could sit in privacy and decode. <laughs> ah, B. <laughs> I went to the next. E. The first word is B. S. It was coming easier now. U. <laughs> oh, come on, Be sure to what? What was little orphan Annie trying to say? Be sure to what? Annie has got to go. Will you please come out? All right, Ma. I'll be right out. I was getting closer now. The tension was terrible. What was it? The fate of the planet may hang in the balance. No, Annie's got to go. I'll be right out. Right out loud. Almost there. My fingers flew. My mind was a steel trap. Every pore vibrated. It was almost clear. Yes, 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 yes. Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Ovaltine? A crummy commercial? <laughs> I love that scene. Ralphie thought he's going to receive this really important message, and it turns out to be this crummy commercial, you know? That first Christmas, there was a group of magi. I mean, they didn't have a decoder ring, all right? But they were decoding messages from heaven. You know, that first Christmas, they're, they're seeking truth. They're seeking God. And I'll be honest with you, I have always found the Magi to be very captivating and very mysterious. You know, the annual Christmas play when I was a kid, I wanted to be a Magi. I mean, shepherds, they they get uh, the bathrobe, towel on the head, but the Magi, they got crowns and jewels. They were they were royal. They were sophisticated. They they were flashy. And again, the the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about the Magi, but we know that they came from the East. And we know from history and archaeology that they were Persian, probably came from Iran. And they were kind of a combination of astrologers and scientists and doctors and philosophers. And we know that they traveled for months, possibly a couple years, to find Jesus. We don't know how many there were. There are usually three of them in the nativity, right? And and the reason why we've arrived at three is because we're told in Scripture there were three gifts given. And so we go, three gifts, three magi. But the fact is there could have been dozens of them. Uh, Historic data says that magi's always traveled in very large caravans. They were kind of like a small army on, on the move. Well, we know these guys are extremely rich. They worked at night. They, they studied the stars, they documented the changes, they, they decoded the clues. And one night, they saw a star. It revealed itself in the heavens. And it wasn't a commercial, but it was a message from God. And the scripture says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of, of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. 
See, these guys are looking, they're, they're searching, they're observing, they're, they're paying attention to detail. They see the, this change in the celestial skies and they ask the question, you know, what, see the star? Do you see it? What's that star about? What do you think it means? They're trying to find answers and it leads them on this journey. Can you imagine that? I mean, think about that for a minute. You know, these, these magi, they're, they're the wise men of the community. They're known for their intellectual abilities. And I, I can imagine them, they're, they're loading up their camels, getting ready for the journey. They're creating some commotion in the neighborhood. They're getting ready to leave. People in the community are coming up and they're like, you going on a journey? Yep, we sure are. Where are you going? Don't know. How long are you going to be gone? Don't know. How far are you traveling? Don't know. Yeah, or wise men, you don't know very much, do you? I find it very strange every time I read the Christmas story that not one religious leader showed up to worship Jesus. Think about it, they're five, maybe six miles from Jerusalem, religious capital of the world, and nobody. Yet, yet the Magi, these pagans from a foreign land, these guys make a very serious commitment. They travel the better part of a year, maybe a couple of years, and they find Jesus. They found what they were looking for. And friends, they were not disappointed. You know, I think one of the problems in our society today is we want things simple and easy, instant. I mean, we want to know what's right, We want to know what to do with our life. We even want to know God. But we're too busy to search. Too busy to ask questions. Too busy to seek answers. Friends, it's just sad. I mean, we're just too busy. Here's the star in the sky. And friends, when you decode that star, that message of Christmas, it declares God's love. It announces that a Savior's been born. It's the perfect gift. And I think that those times in our lives, those times that quiet introspection when you're trying to figure out things, you know, do I really matter? You know, why am I here? You know, those times when you feel unsatisfied, unfulfilled, a little bit confused. I think if you start to try and decode that dissatisfaction, some of you have that today. It really is a gift from God. It's a God moment. It's that moment that God's trying to get you to go on a quest to find answers to realize that that hole that you have in your your heart, in your life, 
that hole that you've been trying to fill up with other things, money, you know, fame, power, pleasure, awards? Do you come to a point because of the dissatisfaction? And you finally decide to just seek God. In fact, you come to a point and you realize that God wants to have a relationship with you. He's always been seeking you. It's what Christmas is about. God that loves you, God that seeks you. I love the promise to Jeremiah from God. It says, you will search for me and you will search for me with all your heart and you will what? Find me. You know, if you're here today and you're just checking things out, I'm glad you're here. You know, maybe you're trying to figure out what God's all about. Maybe you're trying to figure out if Jesus Christ is real, if Christianity is true, if it makes any sense. And I want you to know you're in the right place. Because God loves seekers. God loves people that are willing to ask questions. They're willing to go on a journey to try and find God. You know, God wants to know us. God wants to love us. God wants to trust us and wants us to follow him. God wants us to follow him and love him. Have a relationship with you. I mean, that's the kind of God we serve. You know, Christmas, not about religion. Not about religion. It's about relationship. Religion, I've always said this, it's about rules and regulations and rituals. Religion will mess you up. But relationship, whole different thing. In fact, I believe when you grasp that, when you finally get it, when it clicks, It changes things. Then you find joy in life. Then you find the peace that you've been wanting. I would challenge you to seek God this Christmas. You know, whether you're trying to to figure out if relationship with God makes sense, or maybe you've been a devoted follower for years, to just seek God. God will give you signs. God will give you clues to kind of guide you on, on that journey. In other words, you're not on your own. Gives us a good traveling guide. You know, the Bible is there to help us in that search. Magi, they, they decode the messages in heaven. It leads them to the Savior. Another group, they didn't have to do any decoding, you know. They, they received the message loud and clear. Luke records that there were shepherds out in their field. They're, they're watching over their sheep. Scripture says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord got these shepherds are out in the field. God makes this grand announcement. These guys had to be shocked. I mean, they are uh, not on the highest in the social order of things. 
In fact, they're pretty low in the stratosphere. They didn't have much money, didn't have much wealth, didn't have any prestige, no formal education. In Jewish realm, these guys wouldn't even have uh, met some of the ritual requirements for the temple. So they're considered really low. These guys stayed to themselves. And I think, why did they experience the first Christmas? And I think because they were open. They were listening. They were willing to be responsive to, to God. They weren't running all over the place. They weren't so busy. In fact, I think if some of us would just slow down, just slow down for a moment, we'd find what we're looking for. Anybody busy? Parties, shopping, traveling? I I wonder, I wonder if God isn't trying to get your attention but you're just too busy. See, I believe that's one of the ploys of the evil one in this world is to get us busy, not just at Christmas, but to get us so busy and involved and making a living that we end up not having a life. I challenge you, just take a few minutes this Christmas season. Spend a little bit of time alone with God. No TV, no iPod, turn the phone off, and just maybe go outside. You know, go out there tonight. Look up at the sky like the shepherds probably did. You know, and just take a moment and just say, you know what, God, I'm listening this Christmas. What do you want to say to me? Here's the deal. If you take that step, it sounds little. You go, ah, that does... But if you took that step, I can almost promise you God will speak. Speak here. I mean, what do you want this Christmas? Remember the box? Ralphie's dad entered the, the contest, wins a major award. That's his words. They, they deliver the, the box. What's the box say? Now, you, you, if you've watched the movie, what's the box say? Fragile. It's Italian. I mean, he's all excited around the delivery here, right? I mean, he's jazzed. Christmas, friends, I think can be a fragile season if you get your eyes off Jesus Christ, Savior of the world. You know, Christmas can lose its wonder when you get your eyes off Christ. You can miss the joy and the peace and the celebration because you don't know what you want and you don't know what you need. And friends, I want to challenge you to remember who you need. That's what Christmas is about. Do you remember what's in the box? Do you? Oh, yeah. What a lamp, huh? 
Ralphie's dad was so proud of his award. Do you remember? Puts it in the, right in the front window to the dismay of his wife. It becomes known as the battle of the lamp. I mean, this lamp created a stir in the community. People were walking up and down the street. They're driving by and stopping. Why? Because they wanted to look at the lamp. Yeah, I love the line in the movie. It says, uh, it could be seen up and down Cleveland Street. I mean, that lamp drew a lot of attention, didn't it? Here's the challenge for this Christmas. I want to challenge you turn on the light. Now, words of Tom Bodell, Motel 6, we'll leave light on. Turn the light on in the inn. Make room for Jesus. In your home, in your life, make room for Jesus. In Christmas, it is not a mistake that lights are a big part of Christmas, big part of the holidays. Jesus is the light of the world, Scripture says. Jesus is all about illumination. You know, John would write, later Jesus talked to the people again, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never live in darkness. They will have the light that gives life. I mean, Christmas is about lights, bright. I mean, lights are mesmerizing. And the question is, is your life, Christians, is your life light in this dark world? Because people are watching and you need to shine. The way you're living Are you shining? I mean, are you? Christians, are you shining? You know, Matthew writes, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. See, that scripture for each of us, it means something different. But the real question is, are you shining? Are you shining? When you walk into the room, do you shine? When you walk in the office, do you shine into the classroom, into the store? You know, does the room light up? Do you light up the people around you with your care and your comfort and your encouragement and your thoughtfulness and your love? You know, you got to determine to be light. And not just Christmas. I mean, you're around 24-7. You know, illuminate others with a word of encouragement you know, a note, a, a call, an act of generosity. Question is, what could you do? What could you do this Christmas to light up somebody else's life? All right, I'm going to double dog dare you, all right? All seriousness. Think of a couple things that you could do this Christmas to light up somebody else's life 
and just do it. Just do it. Burn bright. You have the opportunity to be that shining star, shining for Jesus Christ, you know, Savior of the world. Peter writes, he says, honor Christ and let him be the Lord of your life. Always be ready to give an answer when someone asks you about your hope. We live in a culture, every time I watch the news, I think, this world's in chaos. It is broken. And there is a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and a lot of frustration. And people are just just running into walls. And they don't even know what direction to go. And we need to shine, church. We need to point to the, the season for hope. And why we have hope. Season of joy and why we have joy because Jesus Christ has come. I mean, look around you. I challenge you, look down the street, look around the office, look around you and see where God wants you to shine this year and then just shine, just shine. One more time. What do you want for Christmas? What do you want? What's God calling you to? center on Jesus Christ. It's a perfect gift. Perfect gift. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, I pray that um, we'd keep you front and center. God, there are many times we really don't know what we need but you do. God, I pray that uh, just as that star shined in the sky on that glorious night, God, I pray that uh, we would shine. We would shine because Jesus Christ has come. Savior's born. God, I pray that would spill, spill into our offices, into our homes, into our communities. God, I pray that uh, this Christmas we just stay focused on you. God, we lift our voices in praise this morning. We continue in worship. We give you the glory and the praise this day. And God's people said, let's stand and worship together.